Hey everyone, it's Chad. Welcome back to Mission Daily. We have a giveaway for everyone that enters. You can win a prize at mission.org slash books. Steph, what can people win? Books that you love. Do you want to read like a CEO? Chad has a bookshelf that probably has, I was actually calculating in my head how much you've probably spent on books because there's so many in our studio. I'd say there's probably 500 here. So a fraction. You, this is, you don't even know about the hidden libraries oh, I have stored oh in my parents' garage. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, anyways, it's called Read Like a CEO because we are taking books off of Chad's bookshelf and we are putting it in a giveaway. Books are the best investment in yourself. And the reason why we wanted to do this giveaway, I recently started paying myself a salary. Yay, woo! And which is a major milestone. And I wanted to immediately give back to everyone out there that's listening that has helped us get where we're at. And it's really exciting. So this is my way of saying thank you to the listeners. So at mission.org slash books, uh, I picked out a number of books from my bookshelf and the top 30 people who enter. And you can see how to get more entries, all that stuff at mission.org slash books. Uh, but the top 30 people who enter get to pick one book from this list and I'll mail you a physical copy. I'll buy it. The next 15 get three books. So if you're in the top 15, you get three books from the list, your picks. And if you're in the top five, you get five books each. So this is pretty cool. And you can get more entries for every single email uh, subscriber you refer. Yep. And stay tuned for the next little ad segment because we will tell you why Chad picked some of these books to get you excited. And mission.org slash books, go there, enter. And everyone who enters is going to get a copy of 100 Business Ideas. That's an ebook we created with 100 ideas to start making more money and yeah, maybe even start a business uh, this weekend. Yep. So enter the giveaway and good luck. May the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I'm Jeffrey Wright, and you're listening to Mission Daily. Selected as best of 2018 by Apple, Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mission Daily. In today's episode, we interview Adi Arazini, the co-founder and CEO of Teamy Blends. Teamy is a lifestyle brand centered around using all natural plant-based ingredients like premium loose leaf teas. At age 19, Adi served as a combat trainer for the Israel Defense Force and later came home to a whole skew of health problems. So what did she do? She tried to figure out how to solve it on her own. And that's how Teamy Blends was born. At just age 23, she was starting Teamy in her mom's bedroom. How awesome is that? And in this interview, she dives into starting her business, the ups and downs of everything involved with starting a business, and how sometimes your friends or acquaintances might not always be your biggest supporters and what to do when that's the case. She also touches a bit on what it's like to work with celebrities around her influencer campaigns and how she started looking into metrics more heavily when her sales started to decline and how she turned that around. Timi is now sold nationally at places like Ulta, Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, and many other great places. And if you want to try out Timi, you can use our promo code Mission20 to get a nice little discount. So sit back, relax, sip on a little bit of tea, and enjoy this episode with Adi Arazini. Welcome back to another episode of the Mission Daily. This is Stephanie Postles, and today we are joined by Adi Arazini from Teamy Blends. Adi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So excited to get you on here. Uh, I haven't tried your tea yet, but after this show, I have a pretty good feeling I'll be ordering it right away. Well, we're definitely going to be sending it to you, so don't order anything because we're going to be sending it to you. (laughs) 
Yeah, I look forward to that. So I wanna, I know our followers will love to hear from the very beginning, how did you get into this? Did you have a small project when you were younger? Like tell me the whole founding story of Teeny Blends and because now I think you guys have like over 200 employees. You are super successful from the outside. I'm like, man, they have all these social media followers or selling a ton of tea. Like tell me the founding story or how, it got, how, you, how you got there. Totally. I, I mean, we don't have 200 employees. We have 60. Still a ton. <laughs> still a lot of employees. Um, one day we'll be at 200 maybe. But okay. yeah, the, the way that Teamy really started was a kind of this backwards way of starting a business, which is I personally had a problem that I was looking to solve. So when I was 19 years old, I was working at a postcard company. I had just graduated from high school and I had no plans of going to college because I grew up in a very low income family. College was never even a topic that we discussed. It wasn't, you know, usually you'll see in movies like, where are you applying to colleges? That never came up with my family. I was raised by a single mom and most of my childhood was spent studying and working uh, to make money for me and my mom. It was just like definitely that hustle to survive mentality at a very young age. I, my first job was when I was nine years old. So that like hard working ethic has been in me for a very, very long time. But <laughs> when I graduated from high school and I started working at these jobs, I felt like I had no passion and no purpose. I was like, I can't, you know, I'm 19. I should be young and going out and doing things, but instead I have to pay rent and I have to, I have insurance and I have a phone bill and I have to pay for groceries. And it was very heavy on me. I felt like I was 40 and when I'm in the body of a 19 year old and I was just like, I need to do something. I need to do something with my life. And I found this program that helped Americans, Jewish Americans join the army in Israel. Wow. And I volunteered. And within Whoa. six weeks, yeah. Within six oh, yeah. weeks, I was there. And I was like, oh, okay, here I am. I and I didn't speak Hebrew. I didn't read or write it. And now I'm fluent in the in the language. But I spontaneously moved my whole life. I sold my car. I sold all my belongings. My mom was like, are you crazy? What are you doing? I brought you to America so you would not have to join the army. And now you're (laughs) volunteering to join the army, which is exactly what I didn't want you to do. And that's where my passion for health and wellness came about. My post in in the army was a fitness combat instructor for artillery soldiers. So okay. that's what I did. When you see movies of like a girl telling boys to do push-ups and crunches and climb climb rope and jump over walls, that was that was you. Job. That's amazing. That was me. It was so it was so powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, I want to do that. Who can I tell what to do right now? I'm looking around for Chad and Ian. Like, where are the boys at? I need to tell them what to do. <laughs> Next time you see them, just tell them just drop and give you fifty. Yeah, they're used to it. So they were Chad and Ian are both military backgrounds as well. So I kind of have heard, yeah, when you were telling, or when I was reading a bit about you, about how, you know, the food there and just the circumstance and the stresses kind of is what led you to Teamy. And I was like thinking about Chad and Ian talking about how bad and how unhealthy the food was in the military. And of course, all the stresses of deployments and things like that. And it was uh, really nice just reading your bio and being like, oh, I kind of understand what that's like only from talking to them. So that's crazy. 
you would be the first person that actually has some sort of understanding of it because most people have no idea what kind of food you're given. And the army, and it's not that they're trying to feed you bad food. They're just making food for the masses. So my base had 3,000 people on it. They're just making food for 3,000 people. There's no way they're going to make that organic or fresh yeah. or farm to table or any of that. So you started experiencing health issues while you were there? Yeah, toward the end of my service, um, about a year and a half in, I started having really bad digestive issues, which I had never had before. My stomach looked like a big bowling ball and it was hard as a rock. So I looked like I was like pregnant all the time. Wow. And I'm like a fitness instructor. So I'm the epitome of what health and wellness should be, especially to set an example for my soldiers. Yeah. And I really felt uncomfortable wearing anything that would be tight on the body. So that was definitely something that, that I was upset about that I was looking to resolve. Yeah. I changed my diet as much as I could. I did whatever it is that I could do to change. I drank more water. I had more fiber and nothing worked at all. And that's when I started getting addicted to coffee. Mm-hmm. I drank coffee three to five times a day to stimulate my digestive system because it's almost like known now, like you go to work, you drink your morning cup of coffee and you're going to have your morning poop. Like yep. <laughs> people, it's part, it's like part of their routine. It's part of my day. <laughs> yeah. It's part of your day, but people are using it to stimulate their digestive system when their digestive system should be doing it on its own. And I didn't know what to do. So did the coffee make it worse? Because too much coffee, I feel like can go the other way where it just probably I'm assuming kills your gut biome at a certain point. I don't know. The acidity maybe makes you, I'm guessing, I'm completely guessing that maybe it throws your pH off or something if you have like oh, more than three cups def- of coffee. <laughs> definitely. I mean, the, the main thing is that it, it worked for a while and then the three to five cups of coffee didn't work at all. Yeah. Like I was even more bloated than before. And I was like, okay. And it was just, I, it was an emotional, physical pain that I was feeling because I don't yeah. feel comfortable in my own skin and my, I don't want to let my boyfriend touch me and yeah. I'm in pain physically. And the, the actual aspect of it is that when you consume food into your body, your body takes the nutrients that it needs and it gets rid of the rest through sweat, pee, and poop. Mm-hmm. But my body wasn't doing that. It wasn't getting rid of the rest. It was just storing it. And when you're storing all those toxins in your body, you can have a ton of different symptoms depending on who you are. Constipation, bloating, low energy, skin problems. Like there's so many things that can occur from this. Mm -hmm. So when I finished my army service, I came back to America and I started cooking for myself and that's when things started to improve. They started improving. However, they didn't improve all the way. So still really having these digestive bloating issues. And that's when I started reading books about gut health and colon health. What is this all about? And throughout that research, it kept talking about the accumulation of toxins in the body from eating processed foods, from free radicals, from refined sugars, and that your body actually stores them for five to 20 years. Wow. You're accumulating these toxins. And I was like, well, how do I get rid of these toxins? And it gave hints in these books. They're like, well, Eastern, uh, Eastern Asian cultures love to drink tea and tea can traditionally be used to, to help get rid of these toxins. And I was like, okay. And that's really what got me 
on the path toward tea. Got it. So when you're first having this idea, because you know anyone can have an idea, when was the point when you actually felt, okay, I'm going to try and you know, make this? Or what was your first thoughts around like, should I create a business around this? Should I just buy tea? Because not many people probably say, I'm actually going to start a whole business around it. They might just say, I'm going to find the tea that helps my stomach and keep moving on with life. So tell me about that thought process. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tried to do. So I went to my Whole Foods and I went and I bought every tea that said detox and cleanse on it and gut health. And then I went on Instagram and this is like five years ago, Instagram was just starting. And there was all of these like products being shown that were like detox teas. And I was like, well, what is that? So I ordered all of these different products and I tried them all myself and none of them worked. Mm-hmm. And that's when I st- when I thought, okay, I'm going to make this into a business. Well, no, that's when I thought I need to find a solution for myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I ordered some ingredients online from different factories and I just started like mixing my own blends. And I worked with a friend of mine who had had five years of experience in coffee and tea. So we were just like ordering these ingredients and blending them until I found the perfect formulation that really truly worked for me. Then that's when I said, okay, I have something. Okay. So what was that first blend? What was the teas that you put together? That was the magical mix that helped you? It was we it was our 30-day detox program. It comes with two teas. It comes with a morning tea and a colon cleanse tea at night. And the, the morning tea is like a coffee replacement. It boosts metabolism, raises energy, and suppresses cravings. Mm-hmm. And you're getting a lot of nutrients because they're very high-quality tea leaves where you're not getting those nutrients from coffee. Coffee is just dehydrating you. Mm-hmm. And the, this, the energy that you're getting from the morning tea is sustainable energy. So you don't have like a crash in the middle of the day. And then the nighttime tea is the one that targets the toxins that are in your colon and starts getting rid of them. And you drink these two teas in combination for 30 days in order to detox the toxins out of your body. Got it. So what was the process like when you first started Teamy Blends? I mean, it was just you, I'm assuming. Were you reaching out to you know, manufacturers in other countries? Like how, how did that start off? Yeah, it's always been me and my partner. So I have a business partner, which uh, some people think against it. For me, it really worked out personally. I love working with my business partner and we complete each other. So Mm -hmm. for me, it has really worked out. But he already had a background in tea and coffee. So he was reaching out to those manufacturers. I was doing all of the logistics and the internal stuff. So all the marketing of our products and the shipping and the customer service was all in my bedroom. So I remember we made a hundred units of this tea and it was in blue tubs that I had gotten from Walmart in my bedroom stacked to the ceiling. And then on the other side of the room, I had other blue tubs that had like poly craft envelopes and tape and thermal labels with my, with my zebra label printer that would like freak out every time I tried to print a label, I became like really oh good at like stuff like that, which was very interesting. Wow. So you're good at tasks like that. Just pack it, pack another, pack another. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I, I just wanted to work. I, I've just been working my whole life. So mm-hmm. I was just good at working. Did you pull in family members to help you pack and, you know, get things done? 
not family members, but as soon as I started getting more orders, I took my a neighbor's son who was 16 years old to help me pack. That's so great. So when you're packing and you're doing the marketing, it's a good segue to your social media brand. So when you when you first reached out, I was looking through your social media channels and I'm like, holy cow, Eddie has like a million followers on all of her channels. Like, what was it like building up that network and how have you seen it help your brand and you know help with sales and all that? Yeah. So when I started using Instagram for Teamy, it was out of necessity because I had no marketing dollars. So at the time, this was five and a half years ago, Instagram was very different than it is today. Now you open up your Instagram feed and you see lifestyle brands and products everywhere. But it wasn't like that five and a half years ago. Five and a half years ago was mainly, I swear, it was like only bikini models were on Instagram. Yep. <laughs> and bikini models and then like your friends. And so things have changed a lot on Instagram since then. But I was like, oh, I can post about this on here for free. I kind of liked it better than Facebook because it was more visual. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want like all of my friends on Facebook to see what I was doing. Uh, it didn't feel right to me. So I saw other brands starting to use the platform and I was just posting and telling people about my product. And because of my hustle mentality from a young age, I was like, wait a second, because the internet exists and because Instagram exists, I can speak directly with my consumer and answer their questions and get them to make an action to buy my product. Where if my product was on the shelves at a store, I have no control over if they understand what the product is, if they want to buy it. I don't have any of that control because there's no direct communication. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me so excited about Instagram and still makes me so excited about Instagram. Like someone has a question, they DM us. Like Mm -hmm. that, that never used to be that way in business. It would be like, call this customer service number. So that ability to speak directly with someone and help them and, and give them a recommendation on which product would be right for them or answer their questions was very exciting to me. So I yeah. became really happy to work on this platform. Yeah. How did you start? Because, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to start an Instagram account and get my business out there. But what do you do maybe today, since Instagram is, like you're saying, pretty different than how it started? What do you do today to get it in front of people that maybe you otherwise wouldn't? Is it hashtags? Is it using, you know, great keywords? Is it following certain people or being really active with, you know, replying to people. I mean, there's so many social strategies. So what do you guys do to try and get in front of people that aren't already your followers? Or if you didn't have any followers, how would you start out? Yeah. So I'm going to answer it the way that I would answer if I was starting a brand new Instagram account, because when you have, you get like organic reach when you're, when you get bigger, but the way that it works is number one, you have to post consistently like period. I post on the Teamy Blends Instagram page four times every day. And it's been that way for the last five years. And it's just you doing it? Well, now I have someone that helps me with it as well. Man, Addie, you're busy. Okay. But it's, it's like, it's, it's our business. So it's really important to me, Mm -hmm. but we post four times a day, number one, because the chronological feed doesn't exist anymore. So you have to be posting multiple times a day because when people open their phones, you want to have a chance to show up in their feed. If you're a regular influencer and you're just a person, I would not recommend posting four times a day. I would post one time per day. Mm -hmm. And even if you are a business that's looking to make an Instagram page, I would start with one post a day. 
the main thing is that you have to be consistent. You have to post every single day. You can't take a day off. It, just because it's Saturday doesn't mean you can stop posting. It's all about the momentum mm-hmm. that you get. And so you have to obviously post and your captions and your photographs have to communicate something. So if you're just posting a picture of your product and being like, buy this, no one's going to, no one's going to be interested in it. So you have to evoke emotion and describe what it is that you're doing and give value to the person through Instagram, which is a much more informal way. So give value could just be genuinely speaking about my issues and telling people how I resolve them. And that gives the person value. Yeah. As far as hashtags go, yes, uh, we still use hashtags today and we have a different set of hashtags for different posts that we do. Something that I see a lot of people getting mistaken on is that hashtags are not like Google keywords. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm posting about my tea, for example, I'm not going to do hashtag tea, hashtag green tea, hashtag white tea, hashtag black tea, hashtag red tea, (laughs) because that's not that's not what people are searching. People aren't searching like that on Instagram. They're searching like that in Google. Mm -hmm. People in Instagram might search for a group of people like hashtag fitness gurus, hashtag healthy lifestyle, hashtag clean eating. So they're looking at people are looking for a group to be a part of. So if I made a really nice meal and I hashtag a hashtag get clean eating, I'm part of this community of people that are all eating clean. So that's something that I see that people mistake very often is that they need to have hashtags that are part of a group and describe a person and not describe a thing. Like, it's yeah. not like hashtag blanket. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag lamp. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I like, yeah. And I teach it to people and they're still doing like hashtag carpet. And I'm like, <laughs> no. No, it's not it. So how do you, do you research hashtags to kind of see like, how do you see which ones maybe, you know, are trending or which ones have a big following, like a group following? How do you find that info? So I always look at what, I'm, what it is that I'm promoting. So let's say I'm promoting a skincare product. Mm-hmm. Then I know that my target audience are skincare lovers or skincare junkies. So I'll go to the tag section in Instagram and I'll put skincare lover, for example, and relevant hashtags are going to show up. Mm-hmm. So any hashtag that's between 30,000 and 100,000 and up are going to be a good hashtag to use. I don't even necessarily use hashtags that have like over 500,000 uses because they, I'm not necessarily going to show up in those hashtags. But I would do like a mixture of smaller hashtags and bigger hashtags together. But if you go and put the word skincare in the hashtags, you'll find they'll pop up for themselves. So the, the research behind it doesn't take much time. It's yeah. just like, oh, here are the different groups. There'll be skincare addicts and skincare lovers, clean, plant-based beauty, and, and they'll come up on their own and I'll just group them together. That's great. Yeah, that's a really good point about not just picking the biggest hashtag because you'll just get lost in the shuffle. So it's good to kind of find that good middle ground of like, like you were saying, big enough so you have enough audience, like a big enough audience to see you, but not too big where you just get buried behind everyone else. That's great. So I want to hear a bit about any struggles or moments that you went through in the early days where you're like, I'm ready to give up. Like, this is crazy. Starting a business is crazy. Anything that happened to you that uh, comes to mind? Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to mind, oh, a lot of things come to mind. About in 2017, I was maybe like three years in 
to the business, three and a half, four. And I started having really bad panic attacks because I, I want to see my business grow. I want to give my employees the best lives that they can, and I want to pay them well, and I want to grow my business. And I think that because I came from a background of just being very low income, I was a little bit afraid, like, if my business fails, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know if I can do this again, because it takes all of you to run a business. It takes all you have. And my numbers were going down in 2017. So like my, my income for my business that we're tracking and is the bread and butter of the company wasn't growing and I didn't know why. And I was like, what's happening? What's going on? And I've tried so many things to fix it. And the whole year was kind of like this up and down year where we would have one month that was a really good month and one month that was a bad month. And I was like, what is happening? I felt really out of control. And I started having very illogical panic attacks where I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't eating and I would call my husband and I was like, Alex, I think I'm going to be an ice cream truck driver. And he was like, babe, you would be the cutest ice cream truck driver. (laughs) You're like, not helpful. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't think that that's what what the future holds for you. And I was like, I can't do this. I need a stress-free job. I'm going to, I just need to be a stay-at-home mom. I just need to be a barista at Starbucks. I was like, I was just like, what can I do that relinquishes all responsibility off of me? It was like, it was, it got too much. Mm-hmm. I, I have at the time it was maybe like 40 employees. I, I have a commitment to, and I also, you know, I, I'm, I support my mom and I, and I just was freaking out. That's just really what it was. And I didn't know how to fix it. It took me, I'm not kidding. It took me like two months to like get out of that rut. And at the end of the year, I was just like, I've had enough. I'm either going to like make this blow up or not. And I'm deciding to start off with a clean slate and make real changes in my business. So I got together with our uh, social media manager at the time. And I was like, okay, we need to fix this. Let's make a plan. And so we stayed up. We were working on it for two weeks, a plan for 2018. What are we going to do to change it? How are we going to grow the company? Because it was like volatile. Like it would be up and then it would be down. It would be up and then it would be down. So like if certain months we were up and then other months, the numbers were down, then we're like, okay, well, how do we pay our staff in the number when the numbers are down? And you don't yeah. want that. You want to have more than enough money in your bank account to be able to pay all your staff, buy all the inventory, spend all the money on marketing, and you want to build a stable business that way. Mm-hmm. And we came up with a plan and started implementing it. And 2018, we grew 44%. Wow. So were you able to link the ups and downs mostly to marketing and social media? And were you not doing enough there? Or what was it that you were like, this is the problem and, you know, social media or marketing, it will fix it. How did you come to that? Yeah. So yes, we found that the problem was the marketing and social media. It was almost like in the previous years, the first quarter of the year where people are starting to be healthier, like January through May, our, our numbers would go up. But then summertime, our numbers would just tank. They would just tank. And I was like, and people were telling me, it's because you sell tea and no one drinks tea in the summer. 
And I was like, this doesn't make sense because I don't sell tea. I'm selling a natural holistic solution to body issues and people have people have digestive issues or energy issues all year long. So it's not that I'm yeah. selling a seasonal product at all. And so I was like, that doesn't make sense. And then I realized that because the numbers were going down in the summer, I started spending less money on marketing. So because I got scared, I was like, oh, the numbers are going down. So I like pulled back the reins. I pulled back the reins on my social media influencer strategy. I pulled back the reins on the Facebook marketing. And then the numbers continued to decrease where if you're seeing like, if you know that you're having, you know that the summertime people are just purchasing less and that's just how they are because they're on vacation. You need to be marketing more to those people and spending more money. And yeah, your profit is going to go down during those months, but it was all able to be controlled but with our own promotional calendar and what sales we were having. So we, we came up with some fun sales. We did like a summer prep sale, which brought our numbers back up. And we did a Christmas in July sale. And we like did things to get the numbers back up. And I can happily say that in the summer, there was no dip in 2018. It was the first time that there was no dip. Yeah. And that was just very empowering. That's really good. So it was just kind of one of those things where you had to first get your mindset right of like, I can do this. I'm not going back to like a nine to five job or something and deciding and then moving forward with an action plan. Yeah, I love that. That's a good reminder for everyone. And honestly, I wasn't scared of going back to a nine to five job. I just was like, who's going to hire me? I have like, (laughs) I don't have a college degree. What am I going to do? And my husband's like, well, you did start a business, a very successful one. And I was like, no one's going to hire me. (laughs) Like I was out of my mind. Yep. I remember in the early days when Chad and I were just starting on the mission stuff or maybe even before the mission. And I always held down like the, you know, stable full-time job. Um, I mean, I just left Google on Friday to start full-time here. But before that, I'd always been the nine to fiver. And when we were going through a little bit of troubles in the early days, Chad was like, well, who's going to hire me? Like, and I'm like, you have a military background. You have an economics degree. And he's like, yeah, but I don't know how to do like a normal job. I've always had, you know, I've always done creative stuff and I've always written books and started companies. And I'm like, someone would hire you. But thankfully, yeah, we, thankfully we didn't need that. I had to get his mindset right. Yeah, that's really the mindset is just number one always. Yep. Yeah. So did you ever have to lay anyone off or have any issues like that or anything when you're having problems? Yeah, we definitely, I mean, and, and changes happen in a company, like we're not 10 people anymore. So we definitely have had those issues where we had to make cuts in different areas. So we've definitely been through that a couple of times, but yeah. we try to make it as less as possible. So it's yeah. not something that happens like, you know, frequently. Yeah. So was that when maybe you were having like the down moments in the business that you had to kind of think through like, okay, how do we have, you know, our employee strategy or how do we think through that? Was that kind of the moments that you had to go through those tough uh, times? Yeah. It started making me look at like, well, are these employees working at their fullest capacity or are they just coming in every day and, you know, being robotic about their job? And I had to have a lot of kind of kicking the booty meetings with my team, I'd be like, listen, like we're, we're a startup. We are not some corporate company that has 300 employees where you don't matter. You matter. Everything that you do is going to make or break our company and I can't do it by myself. And then the people that were really in it to win it stayed. And the people that were just wanting to 
kind of not be part of the team or be lazy, they ended up going. Yep. Yeah. That's such um, a good thing to keep in mind when starting any business uh, is that you have to make hard decisions like that. Sometimes you have to cut people early on. You can't have people impacting the culture negatively or yeah, how people are working. So, I mean, definitely always like hard decisions to make, but usually they always help push the company forward much further when certain people do have to be let go to keep that core team together. Definitely. And it's always for the best, even (laughs) though it's hard, it's always for the best. Yep. Yeah. So to go to a more positive topic now, so I saw you had celebrity endorsements with Teamy Blends. So tell me a little bit about how do you work with celebrities? How did you even come to, you know, wanting to do that marketing strategy? I think I saw Cardi B was someone who maybe endorsed it. And I think Kyle Jenner maybe, or so you tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the influencer strategy has always been my strategy from the the get-go because I was doing things on Instagram and I realized that there were people that could inspire others or get my product exposed to other people's audiences in a massive way. And so I started the influencer strategy again in my bedroom on a sheet of Excel and turned it into a computer program that will do it automatically for us, which is great. So we use that internally as well to manage all of the influencers that we work with every month. And by working with small and big and small and big influencers, makeup artists, fitness people, health people, celebrities, I was able to find a common denominator between influencers that would really drive a call to action that people would really be exposed to my product and ones that didn't. So I was able to come up with almost like a formula of these are the influencers that are going to positively affect my business. And these are the ones that are going to be a waste of money. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of the time now, people that are doing influencer marketing are burning through their cash and you can go bankrupt completely because there's no comparison. If an influencer says, pay me $5,000, how do you know if you're going to get ROI on that $5,000? And if you're a small business doing this from your home, that's a lot of money. Like, how do you know what it's going to do? You know, you don't know, do they buy followers? Are their followers going to be interested in this product? Are their followers just going to like it and comment, but not buy the product? So I was able to do a lot of that trial and error at home. And I wrote a manual on it and I trained my employees to do it. And now we have 15 people that are called influencer managers inside of our company that work with hundreds of influencers on a monthly basis. Amazing. So do you cold reach out to these influencers or how do you, you know, how did you get in contact with your first few influencers? How did that even start? Just from emailing and DMing, like they put their email out there because they want you to contact them. Mm -hmm. And how did you start measuring ROI based on that? Well, I, I gave every, every influencer a discount code. So like if there was an influencer named Samantha, maybe her code would be Samantha 15 for 15% off. And I would see which codes would get used and I would track the timeline. So like if, if Samantha posted January 1st and had five sales and then her next post was January 25th and then she had three sales, I would attribute the first five sales to the first post and the next three sales to the second post. And that's how I would, I created my own attribution model. 
And that's how I did it. And then I noticed why are these influencers making sales, whether it's one sale or five sales, and why are these ones making zero sales? And I started realizing the differences between someone who has a lot of followers and someone that's actually influential. Two very different things. That's a really good point. So how did you realize someone being influential? Is it, you know, the people following them, interacting with them versus someone, you know, just having a million likes, but never having anyone actually interact with them? Or how did you come up with the two terms of being influential versus just a ton of followers who maybe are bots or who don't even care about what you say? The way that I did it is number one, the, the first KPI is sales. So these people have sales and these people don't. What is the difference between them? And when I started looking at them, the, one, the people that were making sales were the ones that had a true connection with their followers. So for example, let's say you follow a blogger and she lives like this super lavish lifestyle. And she is like always with the fanciest cars and the fanciest clothes. And when I look at her, I don't feel like I know her. I'm just almost like, I kind of, I'm kind of jealous of you mm. and I want what you have, but I'm kind of angry. <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of like want to hate you a little bit, but <laughs> you don't feel connected to them at all. And even if they tell you, I got these pants from this store, I'm like, okay, well that store, these pants cost $10,000. So cool. But you don't feel connected with them as opposed to an influencer that might be talking to you about their relationship with their husband, for example, or their weight loss journey that they're telling you about. They're sharing experiences with you, which makes them more relatable to you. However, it's another topic, but people have taken this like way too far these days. And now all they're doing is just sharing sob stories on Instagram. Yes. Of, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. just like, okay, guys, I get it. Um, yeah. People always take things too far when they find like a working formula. It just goes way off the spectrum of like, okay, not, we don't need to hear everyone's sob story. And is this sob story real? <laughs> exactly. But the, the difference was also in the types of images. So like the people that were uploading like selfies were getting better engagement because you're like looking at someone instead of looking, you're looking inside of their eyes instead of looking at them on the beach. It, that was something that I had noticed. Um, you feel more involved in the person's lives. The next characteristic was I would look at the comment section and I categorized it by admiration and questions. So admiration would be like, I love your hair or I love that lipstick. So the person is like, wow, I really like that. And then questions would be, where can I get that lipstick from? Where did you buy that? Where did you get that lipstick? And if people are asking questions, not just engaging, but like are asking a question, then I know that we have someone here that's influential because they're asking a question that they want this person to respond to so that the consumer can make a decision. That's great. Yeah, that's a really so. How do you scroll through all those comments and figure that? Is that your your influencer ambassadors who are doing that, or do you guys have like you know a different tool that can kind of skim through it and show like a sentiment analysis of yes, there's lots of questions and they're buying questions. No, those are those are done manually, but I'm sure that it'll be something that will be invented. But we are like, okay, I'm interested in this influencer, and then we kind of go down the checklist, like you know, how much engagement do they have? What kind of engagement do they have? what our products work with them, what other type of collaborations have they done, and we kind of analyze it. It takes maybe 
two minutes to kind of like skim over an account and then decide if you want to keep digging in deeper. Yeah, got it. And is there any horror stories that you have from working with celebrities? Because I was watching the documentary on Fry Festival. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. Woo, that was crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, it's like cringeworthy and all these celebrities endorsing this festival. And then afterwards I'm saying, you know, I didn't really know what this festival was. And so had, have you had any horror stories related to working with celebrities or anything like that? Yeah, I, I don't want to name names, so I don't want to go into yeah, it. Yeah. But do, yeah. I can tell you that there are definitely certain celebrities that are divas. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, let's say we told them, okay, this is the product that we have agreed on promoting, and then they no longer want to promote that product, even though there's a signed contract. They're just, the, the main thing with celebrities is that they're divas, and that you're working on their time. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be super patient and you have to work with them because they, they, they're really big divas. That's, that's the only thing that I would say. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that I one time worked with a celebrity and they did not return $1. And whoa, were they a big celebrity? They were a big celebrity and I paid a lot of money for the endorsement contract and it did not return at all. And so that is when you're just, you're like, oh my God, I just made the mistake of a lifetime. And that's what no I mean case. by really looking at the person and really identifying if they're influential because the celebrities and influencers are the same. Like I did not look into this celebrity enough to make that decision. And mm -hmm. I've lost, you know, smaller amounts of money, but with influencers, but when you're a small business owner, $500 that you're going to give to an influencer is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So in the beginning, I didn't work with any paid influencers for years. Only people that I could give my product out for free. It took me a lot of guts to get to the point where I was like, I will pay you money. Mm -hmm. And it would only, the only reason I had those guts is because I saw these other influencers making sales. So I knew that it could happen. I knew that it could work, but until I saw the numbers for myself, I didn't feel confident to pay someone blindly and hope that it will return. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's really good advice. So any final wisdom to impart on starting a business, being a woman founder, anything like that, like to keep pushing through? You know, I think that if you're going to start a business, you just have to know going in that there's going to be ups and downs. And you need to surround yourself either with a partner or with people that are, that are going to pick you back up because you don't want to be around people that are going to be like, ah, oh, you know, not all businesses work out. It's okay. You know, like I remember when I was going through a really hard time, this one guy that I was talking to was like, you know, you made it two and a half years. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like most, the three out of five businesses fail. And I was like, oh my God, I need to leave this room. You know, like yes. he's just telling me all the reasons it's okay to give up. But if it's something that you're really passionate about, it's not okay to give up. Imagine all the people, including yourself, that you would be letting down. I always think about my customers. I'm like, if Teeny disappeared tomorrow, what would all my customers do? You know, so I, I have a responsibility to them to not give up. But things are going to get rough. Like I haven't slept for like two weeks. Girl. And things get, yeah, I know. Oh things can get rough. But yeah. You have to also look at how amazing your product, your brand, your business is and, and look at the positives. It's really easy to just look at the negatives all the time. 
and just take a deep breath and look at what you've accomplished. Even if you're two months into your business, you're doing something more courageous than 99.9% of the population will do. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely what everyone needs to hear and surrounding yourself with the right people. We talk about that all the time, but that's what helps, you know, you move forward and want to keep going when times are tough is to have that encouragement. So good for you to get away from people who are telling you to give up. Yeah. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. This is super fun talking to you and we will have to do it again. Thank you so much for having me. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera, who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.